Welcome back to another Youth Centered Podcast. Um, we have been off for a couple of weeks, but we're back at it right now. Crazy times continue uh, here in NA, but we're doing wonderful, wrapping up our sixth week of uh, having totally safe program here at the Youth Center, which we're proud about. So today's podcast, I'm very excited to have uh, North End of his own Jacob Bowden, uh, senior at Merrimack College, and we're going to be talking about his capstone project on mentoring. And Jake has become an outstanding mentor in our community. And for people in youth sports, know that uh, Jake is very involved with a lot of our youth sports, whether it be flag football or basketball or baseball or whatever. So we're going to talk a little bit about his capstone. We're going to talk a little bit about his passion for mentoring. Um, And uh, with that said, welcome to the podcast, Jake. Thanks for having me. Now, Jake, we always allow our guests to do a bio. So why don't you give us a, a quick bio on the Jake Bowden files? So I graduated from North Denver High School in 2017. And as you said, I've been at my college since um, double majoring in psychology and human development with a minor in education. Um, and then I'm very involved in the community. I've served on the Little League board, which I'm no longer on. Um, and I'm currently on the Booster Club board running the flag football program. And I'm involved with basketball, both the boys and girls side. Yeah, we've had a, a close relationship with Jacob's family over the last number of years at the youth center. His mother, Tracy, who everybody knows from the bank, also sits on our Joseph and Herman Youth Center board. So obviously close to the to the Bowden. So I want to thank you for coming in to share your capstone project. And let's talk about a little bit, for people who don't even know what a senior capstone project would be, explain what Merrimack College's project is, and then uh, delve into why you chose your topic of mentoring. So Merrimack College requires all seniors to complete a capstone project. Most students will complete this in their capstone class year within their major. Um, but this year, I decided to do my directed study. So my uh, project, as you discussed, is on mentoring. Um, it's an action research project, which means I'm researching myself, essentially. So I chose this project because I think we'll touch on it later. Mentoring for me is not only really important for me, but it's important to my background story and how I wish maybe I had a mentor growing up. Um, so for me, this is really important to know that I can make a difference in the community, uh, especially one that I wish I had. So it's pretty cool. You, you chose it topic that's close to your heart and your passion for mentoring is something that I have firsthand watched uh, the last couple of years. Um, But it wasn't until I actually read your personal journal uh, of why and fully understood at that point in time why mentoring is so important to you. So if I'm correct, the topic of um, your capstone was what makes uh, me an effective mentor. So let's talk a little bit about the whole process. Everything from you know, and as people know, in terms of a capstone project, um, you know, the abstract, the study, the methods and the measures and the results that you had to put together. To, so how long was this process and take us from the very beginning until the conclusion of it? So in the spring, um, I had my dedicated honors senior capstone course where we learned to uh, work on the capstone project. And originally, uh, I had chosen Kate Kirk or Dr. Kate Kirk and Aaron Mack, the center knows. Um, as my advisor, because she was really interested um, in my kind of interest to field on vaping and teenagers, which I did a project for her class my sophomore year. Um, but after discussing with her, we decided that because of the times we're living in now, we weren't going to have time to complete a full year study, especially with me graduating early. So she recommended knowing that 
I'm huge into coaching and mentoring the community that I kind of take on this project to research myself. So it started with interviews in the spring with kids that I've coached that I've mentored, um, like as we'll talk about later with people who I felt made a difference in my life growing up. And then in the fall, I went a little more specific and reached out to a handful of kids again, same kids that I reached out to in the spring and asked them to answer three questions for me for the study. And I got nine yeses or 10 yeses, one no response, nine responses. Um, and so the three questions were just all about me. So was, I asked them to give me an opinion about me. I asked them to describe a personal relationship and I asked them to share a story um, of an interaction between us that stood out to them. Once I gathered all that information, I coded the responses. So basically I went in and tried to find common words. They use common themes. Um, and it was pretty astounding that they all sort of said the same thing in their own way. But we pulled out three things that were really important to them for our relationship, which were generosity, which was divided into personal generosity and time. Then there was the length of the relationship. Um, so basically we've known each other for a few years. And then the final part was all of them felt they had a sense of brotherhood with me. And then I just kind of reflected on that and that's where I'm at with you. Yeah, and you know, it, it's a fascinating, um, and I know uh, Professor Kirkle uh, has seen this and uh, for people who don't know, Professor Kirkle has a history with us here at the Youth Center um, as a young person herself was involved here. Uh, before she went off to Central Catholic High School. And then uh, we reconnected as her being a professor at Merrimack College. She actually spearheaded a needs assessment that was done for us here at the Youth Center in planning for our expansion of the Youth Center in 2024. And the reality was we had a study done on what we're doing well, what we need to do more of and stuff like that. So um, you're very lucky to have Professor Kirkle, great woman, and uh, I'm sure she was extremely helpful in this. I know in reading the actual capstone, um, I know she would be professed with, uh, impressed with a lot of the scientific uh, information. That So it looks like he did a, did a tremendous amount of research and reading and, you know, looking at everything from, you know, statistical information and stuff. Take me through the scientific piece first in terms of uh, the capstone. With any good research project, you need to have what's called the literature review. So I had to research the area that I was interested in. So I split my literature review into two parts, the mental health part and then the mentoring part. So the idea there was that mentoring can be an intervention for kids suffering from mental health issues. Um, but specifically, we we set more time towards the mentoring piece. And what was really interesting was mentoring is in two different parts. You have formal mentoring programs where mentors and mentees are matched up based on characteristics, shared interests. Sometimes it can be based on gender and race. Um, and then there's natural mentoring, which I put myself into. A natural mentor is one where a mentee finds a mentor within their social circle. So that could be teachers, counselors, coaches, other members of the community. Um, and so we, I analyzed that, and that was really, really cool, especially since my results match what actual researchers in the field have found on natural mentoring. So for a lot of the kids that are going to be going off to college and in college right now, um, where did you do most of your research? I mean, I, I was intrigued with um, your bibliography at the end in terms of, you know, who you studied and things like that. Where did you spend most of your time uh, looking that stuff up? So Merrimack College does a great job of really preparing us to research for a new big point. So, and so 
we have, I really just use the McQuaid library on campus and website. And uh, I know keywords to search, so I search mentoring in a box and it'll pop up a bunch of programs. So that part was really fun. I'm kind of a nerd when that comes when it comes to research. So I really enjoyed that. Um, it took quite some time though. Um, but again, like when I love doing it, it's just really interesting to read too. And when this was going on as you were doing this whole process, would you be checking in with Professor Kirkle? Would she be giving you feedback? Uh, that type of thing? Yeah, so she one of the reasons why she was going to challenge me. So she's a really great researcher. When I had her for a research methods class, I thought I wrote a really good paper. I'm typically a really good writer, and she gave me a B plus, which to me was awesome because I knew that I probably tried to escape through that class a little bit, um, but she knows not just to give out a grade, to give out a grade. And so we've met every other week um, since this semester started. We do check-in. She would criticize or critique things, I criticize critique things, make sure I'm on track to have this paper done. My goal was to have it done by November 1st. I had it done a week earlier because she was so supportive and so well versed in what I need to do. Yeah, she, she's, a, she's a rising star for sure. Um, I get it from you. You, uh, you tell me I'm the first person that's going to read it. Um, so I take it home that night and, you know, I'm kind of like a little bit of a kid. Uh, I, I start reading the first part of it and I, I probably want to get to the last page and the results. Um, you obviously did not name your subjects, which is obviously natural, uh, but knowing your history and knowing the kids that you work with or whatever, I could I could imagine who some of these uh, kids were, but I, I did the right thing as an adult. I read through it completely, and then I obviously got to the results, and that's actually what blew me away. So obviously the research stuff was impressive. A um, lot of stuff that you wrote down is stuff that I live by on a daily level here in terms of our mentoring, et cetera. Uh, but then the results and the three questions that you used, um, I was blown away, I got to be honest with you, in terms of, you know, the answers to those three questions. And, you know, all three of the questions were good. Obviously, the third question where you asked the kids to kind of relate to a uh, an incident or an experience that you had with the kid and what it did. And um, it was pretty heartfelt in terms of what these kids looked at you as a mentor, a big brother, which was some of the words that was described, um, and how you helped them during difficult times. And this was obviously, you know, we're dealing with this global pandemic, which we're all trying to find our way, right? And uh, a couple of the kids actually talked about some tough decisions that they made during this difficult time and that you were always a really good sound boy. So, when you read the results from these kids here, how do you feel? So I told Kate this. I had one response that I woke up at 2.30 in the morning with a text from the kids. Like, Sorry for being late. And the response I couldn't keep. So I decided to open my email and see what he responded. And you know, it was really, really, it hit me hard because this kid put that he thought of me as an older brother. And I said to Kate, I asked this kid six months ago the same question. And he said, you're my coach. And so in six months, and I think this year has really strengthened relationships because everyone is going through a hard time and it's not easy. But for to read that at 2.33 in the morning, not expecting it, um, I told the kid and I told Kate, I'm like, I'm crying reading it at three in the morning because I didn't expect it. I didn't expect any of these answers, to be honest. Um, well, what did you expect? I expected, so I've had conversations in the past with kids like this, and a lot of the times, outside of maybe 
one or two that responded here. Most of the time, it's like, you're a great coach. Uh, because I honestly don't think a lot of kids understand what a mentor is. And so I expected them to talk a lot about baseball. Um, because that's where a lot of the relationships stem from. And I really don't think any of the kids talked about baseball. It was all personal. It was all authentic. Um, and I know for a fact they all answer at different times, but they're not sitting down saying, we're going to answer Jacob's questions at the same time. Um, so it was really impressive to read. And by the way, all the answers were different. Yeah. Um, their experiences was different. So it wasn't like uh, eight of them got to the house and say, okay, let's do this as a group project or whatever. You could tell it was very individualized and um, really heartfelt from each one of the kids. It was impressive. I really didn't think they were talking about me. Uh, and I know we'll talk about it later, but it's tough for me to really sit, you know, for them to say that, I'm like, that's not me. That's not how I view myself most of the time. Right. And so for them to really say that and be honest, and since, you know, I've had a bunch of them reach out and really look forward to listening to this podcast to see the project because they want to know what I thought of the project, what other people thought of the project. Um, and I, I had one kid go, you know, we care and we want to make sure that you know how we feel. That was awesome. And as somebody that has run mentoring programs and somebody for my entire professional career that I feel that I am a mentor, um, I was really impressed with how, you know, you got the results from these kids. And um, it is interesting how you weren't sure how they were going to respond to whatever. And, and again, I wasn't 100% sure. And again, I don't know the typical names, but I think I know the crew. And I'm sitting there saying, well, how are they going to look for him? And I you know, I'm reading it um, not in tears like you were, but almost with a big smile on my face saying, yeah, this is what Jacob does. And I love the fact that they looked at you not as a coach, as as a as a mentor, as a big brother, as someone that cares about him. And, you know, when I talk about relationship building, which is so huge for me here, and it's something as a community, we got to continue to do a good job. And I think we overall do a good job of building relationships in our school department and the youth center and youth sport. But as a perfectionist, I know we could do a lot better than that. And we need to continue to do that. One last thing on the actual con, um, on the project in terms of um, what were some of the common themes that you came out of from your research into, you know, working with these kids? Common themes of being a mentor. Basically, some of my results, um, I mentioned generosity, length of relationship, uh, and then kind of brotherhood. So one of the articles that I read for the project was really interesting um, because it was titled, My Counselor Knows Me, But My Natural Mentor Understands Me, something like that. And so one of the things that came out of it was it specifically talked about guidance counselors at the end. And one of the stories, one of the subjects shared was the reason why they considered their guidance counselor a good mentor was because they acknowledged that the guidance counselor's job was to get them through school. But their guidance counselor made sure to check in on them outside of school. It wasn't just about academics. So the themes really, you know, I think when people either look at me mentoring someone or think of a mentor, it's kind of a scary thing to think of because you don't know how personal to get. Uh, you don't know how much you want to reach out to a kid. And so the themes show in the research and my research is that if you are personal with them and you check in with them and you don't let them kind of slip out of uh, anything, you don't lose touch with them, they're going to really appreciate it, whether or not they show it. Because um, I know I'll share with you, like there's been stories like with kids who hate me for a week or two and then 
call me like in a panic. So it's tough, but the research definitely shows you need to be personal with them and you need to stay with them. No, absolutely. So along with the capstone project, you gave me a lengthy, I think it was 15 pages, which would have been pretty much a personal journal. Um, and I think I know you pretty well. We've had a lot of one-on-ones. Um, I look at myself as being an informal counselor for you whenever you need it. Um, but this 15-page article, which I read after the capstone, really kind of showed me, I think, why your drive is what you drive. So I'm a big believer is what is your why? Why do you want to do this in your life? And in your case, you want to be the best mentor at all. And it didn't take me long into this 15 page, which was a range of emotions. Um, everything from, you know, I'm reading the first few pages about your your experience as an eighth grader. Um, and it was heart wrenching to to read some of the things that you were feeling in this personal journal. Uh, and then obviously and a lot of aloneness at the high school level. Um, but it was also very positive in a way where you talked about the people that helped you through your journey. And I'm a big believer that we're all on this journey and we cannot go on the journey by ourselves. And as we walk this road, there's all types of people that come into our lives that um, help us, teach us, um, we learn from. And in your case, um, you were flat out bullied in the eighth grade at, at North Andover Middle School. Um, talk a little bit about that experience. And, you know, don't do a deep dive into it, but, you know, you were someone that was bullied. And I think you've said to me many times, I wish I had probably had a Jacob Bowden when I was at that age. Yeah, so I think if you, people who only know me from Booster Paul and Craig Wilson, who's our president, I think they'd be surprised, they'd be surprised to hear that story. Um, because in the community, I come off very confident. Um, I can handle anything from players to coaches. Um, but mental health has been a struggle for me from middle school through now. So the eighth grade was tough because, you know, I had a hard time making friends and you know, we would have to sign a table agreement to sit at the table. And my table had a lot of kids. So that was good for me that I had a lot of kids and I had the opportunity to make friends, but I never wanted to get in trouble. So, you know, when they started leaving trash and getting too loud, it really bothered me. And so one day I decided to speak up and just tell them they should throw their own trash away and just be quiet so that they didn't get in trouble. And, you know, I'm never going to forget. They turned to me and said, sure, and just threw the trash at me in my lunchbox. And as the year progressed, they started taking my lunch to the point where I wasn't bringing lunch to school because I didn't want them taking my lunch. I didn't want to feel like I had something taken from me. Um, and so by the end of the year, for someone who really loved learning, loved being in school, you know, I had these C's for grades. I didn't want to go to school. I avoided going to school some days, faking being sick. Um, so it wasn't really until I graduated from the eighth grade that I felt free from the middle school. And then you went off to the high school and you're probably a self-described bit of an introvert back then. Um, didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, a lot of alone time, eating at the lunch table by yourself, um, trying to find interests. Um, what was it like in those four years? Because there were a lot of ups and downs. I mean, you, you talk eloquently about being cut from the baseball team and how emotionally tough that was. You talked eloquently about being alone and not having a lot of friends. You also talked about a lot of great things that happened to you and 
some amazing mentors that we're going to talk about in, in a little bit. Um, and then leading up to, as a, as a senior, you were kind of running the newspaper at the high school and stuff. So talk a little bit about those four years after being bullied as an eighth grader. And bullying tends to decrease at the high school level. Correct. It's still there, but it goes away. But I was so afraid to go to lunch and eat lunch out of the trash. I felt like trash was always going to be thrown at me until my lunch was taken away. So the first day of school, I went into the cafeteria, sat down. I can tell you which table I sat at. Um, I took out my lunch, and I took out the agenda book that they gave us to read the school handbook. And I can tell you who I made eye contact with, too. Like, I remember that day so vividly. Um, but from that point on, I really decided that if I was going to have lunch, I'd eat either outside in the little patio area they have, or I'd just sit in the hallway. Um, so my freshman year, you know, there were some days I'd go in and sit down, a couple people would sit with me. Um, but I really, really didn't feel like I had a place at lunch. I loved being in the classroom, loved being with teachers, loved being with the peers in the classroom. It just so it was more the social stuff. The, the social, social aspect term, yeah. in the cafeteria. By um, sophomore year, I felt like I was getting a little bit better at going to lunch and talking to people. But then in January um, of my sophomore year, I broke my ankle um, walking over the overpass to my car to get picked up. And from that point on, it was tough because now I almost was forced to have people come with me to the elevator, um, walk me to class. And I didn't feel like most of those people were actually doing it to really help me. They were doing it to get out of class. Right. Um, and so Will Hominay, who we've had on the podcast, um, had just moved to town and him and I actually kind of hit it off. Sure. And so when I came back after I had surgery, he said to me, we had both been in journalism together. And he said, do you want to help me run the school newspaper? And I said, sure. Because I felt one, I thought I loved reading the school newspaper. So I thought it was a huge, um, group and it really wasn't. It ended up just being Will and myself. Um, but it gave me something to do after school to work on. Um, Will and I connected a little more through that, but it was also kind of a downside for me because it now gave me access to the walls, which is the school newspaper, uh, the room that we used to put the paper together. So now my junior and senior year, I'd start eating lunch in there rather than going to the cafeteria. It had a computer. I could do homework if I needed to. I could just sit on my phone and eat lunch. It was nice and quiet. So I really enjoyed doing the school newspaper. But at the same time, it really just kind of hurt me socially. Um, but junior and senior year were a little better socially. I think everyone was kind of in the same field, trying to find college to go to, what they wanted to do. But it wasn't to the toward, it was the end of my senior year that really hurt. We started doing senior activities. I had no interest. I really didn't care going anywhere. But one day, the whole class was invited. Uh, we had an event. So Will and I decided not to go. We decided to go mini golfing. And my mom calls me while I'm at mini golf and says, have you seen your yearbook? I said, no. She goes, I got your name wrong. And so our last name is usually either misspelled or mispronounced. And I said, how'd they spell? And they said, no, your name is wrong. And so they put Jason Bodwin. And I'm like, how can you do that when I've been in school with you guys for so many years? And so I was really aggravated. And again, at that point, I was basically done with the high school because I can't believe that for the rest of my life, my yearbook, my senior yearbook, is going to have Jason and not Jacob. Um, and so that hurt. So 
when I graduated, you know, I was actually in the middle of running. I was an interim commissioner for the baseball league that nothing ever runs for the 13-year-olds, 15-year-olds. And I actually had to start working as soon as I stopped graduating because we were in the middle of the playoffs. And I remember a friend of mine came down who was coaching and said, I want to protest my game. I said, dude, I just graduated. Can you give me like five minutes? But it didn't really matter because, you know, we kind of looked around. We took a few pictures. But, you know, at that point, I was like, you know, I don't really have a place here. So we left and um, I kind of left that behind me for a little bit. You had some good mentors at the high school that you eloquently talk about, as I said, in uh, the journal. Um, it didn't surprise me when a couple of those names pumped up because they're people that I consider friends and, and people that had share the same mindset that I have. How about a little shout out to some of those people that did, you know, were concerned about you, helped you along the way, or at least were there and, and genuinely told you they cared about you? It wasn't until the spring when I was starting to reflect on high school, middle school, college that I'm like, you know what, these people made a real difference. So I'll start with Mr. Mann, who you've had on, everyone knows. Um, I had him twice. I had him my entire sophomore year for English. Then I had him my senior year of public speaking. And I was afraid of him my first time meeting him sophomore year. I'd heard that he was a tough teacher, um, didn't know much about him. But having him the whole year, I realized that, like, he was me, essentially. Like, I wanted to be a teacher at that point. Uh, I wanted to teach English. And I'm like, this is who I want to be as an English teacher because he loved the subject. He had a passion for it. He related to everyone really well, but he also held us accountable. So it wasn't like, again, I mentioned, like, not an easy grade. You had to do the work. But he was always kind of checking in on everyone in different aspects, um, which is really impressive. And then my senior year, that public speaking class is probably my favorite class of all time because I not only got to laugh and smile every day. I mean, I actually won. He does a humor speech every year. Basically, it's a comedy act. Whatever. And I won that, which to me, you know, for me to win something where I have to get up and speak in front of people is pretty impressive for me. Um, but his class gave me so much confidence to go forward. Um, and I knew when I wrote this in the journal that if I became a teacher or if I did anything else in life, I knew that I had to do it the way he did, you know, relate to the kids, but also kind of hold them accountable, which I do coaching, mentoring, everything. Um, but he was just awesome. They yeah, Connor's Con is a, a star. I mean, he really is. And, you know, some of the stuff, you know, him and I talk often, um, follow each other religiously on social media. I think in a lot of ways, he's holding the mental health together of teachers and kids at the high school right now. Just a, a great educator. Who else? So then the next, I'm going to put these two in the same category. And they were both the wall advisors. I had Miss Caffrey for journalism to one trimester all three years. Mrs. Morley was my advisory teacher. But I had sent, you know, I was able to sit down with them in the spring and kind of share how much they had an impact on me. And one of the things that was really important for me, and I'm sure a lot of teachers see this and maybe they don't realize it, whether or not I was having a good day or a bad day, I always knew their classroom was open. And so I could go and sit in there, you know, we would talk about the wall, but it wasn't really me talking about the wall, it was me having someone to talk to on a daily basis. Um, I would be in their classroom 
till three o'clock. They would say they have to go, but you can use my classroom if you need to. Um, and then, you know, after I graduated, I kind of lost touch with Mrs. Morley, definitely, but I've been able to coach Ms. Caffrey's oldest son in basketball. Um, all her kids are involved in programs, so I see them all the time. Um, and I remind them, like, and she's always great with, like, you know, she saw me at fly football last week, and she stopped me and said, you know, my father just said to me, is that Jacob? She said, yep. And he goes, does he ever stop? And she said, we're working on that. So you know, they're both very, like, say no, because they usually say yes to everything. Um, but they were a major influence um, in my life all four years. And it didn't really hit me until I got to college. And let's finish with uh, the legend himself, Mr. Steve Nugent. So Mr. Nugent, I didn't have him as a guidance counselor, but um, as you mentioned, you know, he, I got cut from baseball. Uh, but prior to getting cut from baseball, he had come and introduced himself while I was in math class and just said, hey, if you get cut from baseball, I'd love to have you with track. I thought it was crazy. Like, I'm not going to go throw for track. I'm either going to get cut from baseball, play baseball, um, or whatever, but I'm not doing track. And so after I got cut from baseball, he came, checked in, and said, hey, do you want to do track? And it was kind of like this annoying um, check-in. I mean, kids at the high school who do track probably know that like, he loves track. Like, that's his baby. Um, so he'd always say, can you do track? He'd try to get kids to get me to do track. And so in a way, he was broadening my social circle by having these kids come up to me and say, you have to do track. But it wasn't until probably sophomore year when he finally realized that I wasn't going to do track. Any interaction I had with him, he would just check in, hey, how are classes going? And he'd build relationships. And really one that really showed up to me was my senior year. I went on a Best Buddies field trip. And I had a note before just to see him. He said, come back at the end of the day. So I was kind of mad. I'm like, I don't want to have to come back in the building. But I did. And I walked into his office. He got up from his desk and handed me my Merrimack acceptance letter. And it occurred to me after, I was wondering why he did that. Like, why is he waiting for me to get back to hand me my letter? And it hit me you know, two years later when I first had Kate's class. We had to interview someone in the field that we wanted to go into. So by this time, I had changed my career path to wanting to be a guidance counselor. I emailed him. I just said, hey, can you do an interview? Wondering if he remembered me. And for anyone that really knows him, he's really slow sometimes responding to emails, but he responded within two minutes and said, absolutely anything for you. And so we did the interview. It was awesome. And then I was very lucky to complete an internship with him this past spring uh, where he was incredible and not only teaching me what it's like to be a guidance counselor every day, but challenging me to kind of broaden my social circle, to challenge me to engage with students on my own, other faculty. And really, I think it's because of the way he approached our internship that a lot of the kids who participate in this study, we've developed our relationship throughout the year. Yeah, he's amazing. I, I've had the pleasure of working with Steve pretty much my entire career here um, as a young first and second year working here at the youth center. Steve was actually a intern at the uh, guidance department and uh, to see it come full circle on his journey to be the director there and he's pretty beloved down there. So doesn't surprise me of any of the four people you mentioned, stellar people that um, are mentors and, and go above and beyond. Let me ask you something. We've talked a few times about your personal journal and your personal journey and um, not to keep talking about the negative, but let, let's talk about, as a community, I believe 
we do good jobs on on very a lot of things. I do think we are getting better in the mentoring relationship building aspect, but I also know that we've got work to do. Uh, and that's everybody, not just uh, teachers and guidance counselors, and youth people, um, it's youth sports, it's people in the community. What do we need to do more in North Andover? So maybe that eighth grade Jacob Bowden doesn't have the experience that maybe he had. So told me when I talked about this, and I really have thought about this quite a bit. Um, and I think it's, we just have to not be afraid to ask why. Uh, and so part of the reason why I was really excited to do this podcast was because I got to share my story too. And so, as I mentioned, mental health has been middle school up until now. And so I think one of the things that I enjoy is if I can talk about um, the struggle, if I can talk about if I'm feeling bad, um, it's really important, but to find people that want to listen, I don't think is as easy as we want it to be. Um, and it's not because people won't listen. It's because people don't know what to say. And, you know, I find it funny because out of all these responses that I got, you know, reading the personal statements that they made, the personal uh, interactions, I can say for certain that 99% of them I had no idea what to do in those situations either, but I was willing to listen. And most of the time, I don't think I even gave advice. They just talked and talked and talked. And then I would say, well, what do you want to do? And then they would say something and I would say, go for it. Um, but I don't think we ask, you know, the right questions all the time. And the right question is why, if someone is having a tough day or I'll use an example with me coaching, you know, I see all the time, if a kid shows up who's usually energetic and shows up and it's just a bad mood, is kind of just slouching down on the bench and is sitting away from kids, most coaches, I think, will just kind of yell at them and say, you're not contributing to us. Why aren't you engaged? I typically will look at them and not in front of anyone. If people walk away, I'll go up to them and say, hey, are you all right? And if they say no, after the game, I'll text them. And usually through text, I'll get the honest answer. Um, and I think people appreciate when you can say why, if you say it's not, Hey, I'm going to ask you why. And then I'm going to go on my phone and leave. It's you got to be engaged with people. And so I think everyone in this community is capable of doing that, but they're afraid and we can't be afraid because every single one of us right now is going through some challenge. It's not easy being online school. It's not being, it's not easy, um, not playing sports. It's not easy doing our normal things. But that just makes us all more on an equal playing field. And if we share our stories, it makes us feel better. Absolutely. What would you say to the 14-year-old Jacob Bowden today in your eyes? I would tell him to not change a thing. Because the way everything has worked out is outstanding, I think. You know, if you had told me in eighth grade that I'd be sitting here presenting a project where I got to share not only my personal journey, but how kids in the community knew me. I would have told you you're crazy, um, that I wouldn't be in college, um, but I am, and I'm graduating early. And I think I've been very successful coaching, maybe not winning games, but you know, I, when I walked into the youth center today, um, I immediately was greeted by three kids that I've coached and that have worked for me. Um, 
I don't think that was ever possible. I didn't think that was possible in the eighth grade. Not even in high school, I didn't think that was possible. Um, but I definitely just tell them to stay the course. Absolutely. So with that said, who is Jacob Bowden now? So I think I, this is a tough question. I'm definitely a work in progress. Um, you know, I definitely have good days and bad days as far as mental health. Um, but I think I'm stronger now than I was, we'll say, a year ago. Um, I don't think I could do this podcast a year ago, even maybe nine months ago, right? But, you know, for me, I know who I am. I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. Um, and it's just, for me, it's impressive to myself that I know I can do this. And I know that if I just continue my path and the course that I'm on, I'm going to be really successful, whether it's, you know, I don't judge successful people on money. I judge it on the lives that they get to impact. And for me, knowing that these nine kids aren't the only nine kids that I've impacted. Um, these are just nine kids that I happen to reach out to to participate in the study, but I'm sure I would have had another dozen or so that were willing to do the study if I had asked. So as someone who's just a young man, and I do need to tell you, your journey is just starting. Um, an older guy like me, the journey's been going on a long way, and hopefully the journey will continue for a long time. But what is the next thing for you? Graduating early, um, master's degree is in the future. Um, where are you going to be in the next few years with that master's degree? What would you like to do? So right now, I was accepted to my college's school counseling program for master's. Um, I applied to Boston University's mental health counseling and behavioral medicine program. I haven't heard back from them yet. Um, but, you know, for me, I've always kind of thought about what it would be like to leave North America. And I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon because I not only do I love the community, I know the resources that I have here can set me up for the rest of my life. So ideally, you know, I'd be at Merrimack School Counseling Program next fall. And then, you know, I'm really hoping to be back at the high school for an internship when I get to that point in the master's program. And then from there, I don't necessarily know if I want to work in town, um, but I definitely want to be in a situation where I get to impact a large community in a way that I know I can. Well, I want to make sure Steve Nugent and myself aren't nervous because the rumor around town is you're either going to take over the high school guidance department or you're going to take over the youth center. So um, obviously you would do great in any of those fields. And uh, I know the future is going to be bright for you. Um, you actually, this, this capstone project was very interesting to me. Um, I'm data driven. I love looking at, uh, people's research and, uh, kind of confirms a lot of the stuff that, you know, we do here at the youth center. And then obviously I was personally blown away with your, your personal journal. I, I, I thank you for sharing it with me. Uh, I know that's something you're probably not going to share with everybody. Uh, but I think, as you said, most of the people close to you know pretty much your, your story as it is. But I think the, the future is going to be very bright for you. We always give our guests the, the last word, we call it. So the audience we have here will be everything from families and friends to school personnel to youth center personnel to amazing Professor Kirkle and people over at Merrimack College. What's your final word you want to say to all of our listeners? So I have two things. I'll start with my metric project. I don't think people should be afraid to try to help other people. Because whether or not you view yourself uh, 
in one way or another, people always view you differently. And I usually will say to kids, you know, it only matters what you think of yourself. But in this case, it could also be a bigger difference if you look and realize what other people think of you. And so don't be afraid if, you know, you know someone who could benefit from just getting checked in with once in a while. Um, don't be afraid because even if they hate you for some time, um, I've had kids who have hated me for some time and I just finished writing their letter recommendations for college. Um, they're not going to hate you forever. They're going to, you know, I've had more than one kid say to me, I love you. And that, you know, is a reward that you'll always get. And then, you know, my second point is we can't be afraid to share our struggles. You know, if I can get on this podcast and talk about anxiety and kind of being alone, feeling alone, anyone can, because as you know, it hasn't been easy for me to share anything at all. And so for me to do this, it's kind of a huge step, but I know that I'm ready to do this. And I know everyone who is struggling with something is ready to do it as well final words. Um, you are an amazing young man, and I do know that you're going to do wonderful things. As one of your mentors, I'm obviously going to continue to give you some advice that I believe uh, uh, Carrie actually said to you that sometimes you got to say no. You are nonstop. You don't say no to anybody or anything. Um, I think it's admirable. I love your passion. Um, but I see a little of you and me um, and I know what never saying no does to you. So I'm going to just caution you as a, as an old guy talking to a young man, um, you know, take pace it, take a pace. You can do all your passion. You can do it, but at some point in time, you got to take care of yourself too. And, uh, you know, just take that with you. So Jacob, I want to thank you for coming on the youth centered podcast and sharing your capstone project, but even more so sharing your life story. Well, this wraps up another great youth-centered podcast. We're going to hopefully get this up in the next day, and we'll get it out on all of our social media platforms like we always do. Um, we are next up. We have the uh, famous Franklin School principal, Joe Clark. It'll be take two with me and Joe because we spent an entire podcast and then realized we had some serious technological difficulties. So uh, we're going to took that as a warm-up, and we're going to come back and do it again. And Joe's doing great stuff over at Franklin School. And as I tell him all the time, he's destined to be a superintendent at some point somewhere. He's just a, a great educator and, and someone that's passionate about kids in our community here and everything else. So I'll look for that in the next week or so. And, again, I want to appreciate everybody who supports us here at the Youth Center. We just finished our sixth straight week of no issues, and uh, we're going to continue to do that. Uh, and provide all the programs for the kids and safely done. And as we finish every podcast, we always say too much passion is never enough passion.